You are listening to the Living Truth Podcast with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. Please stay tuned to Living Truth as we engage in an in-depth journey of discovery through the discussion of God's Word for the purpose of devotion and godly living. We pray that you would be blessed through today's conversation and that God would sanctify your heart in truth, for His Word is truth. Well, good morning. This is John Corr and the Reverend C.L. Mitchell coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Living Truth Podcast, and in case you are new to us, we are two friends that love to get together to talk about Bible, the Bible, God, theology, Jesus, life, and we have a fun time doing it. Uh, we usually have our coffee or hot chocolate nearby, or iced tea, or whatever it is we like to drink, and we typically go through books of the Bible, and we just love to um, have a more relaxed time and and dig into the scriptures and today, we are actually at the end of the year of 2023. This year has gone by so fast. And we are broadcasting both uh, uh, Audible. Isn't that Audible? Audibly. Audibly. Mm-hmm. Not the app Audible, but Audibly. And then also video-wise uh, for YouTube, for our YouTube um, fans out there, friends, whatever. Anyway, so today we have a special uh, broadcast uh Remembering or remembering the year and God's faithfulness in the year, and so we thought we'd uh, record today, and then uh, we're, our hope is to record more in this next coming year. And uh, so, anyway, it's good to have my friend, uh, the Reverend Bishop Pontiff and Monsignor. I'm kidding, CL. It's good to be with you too, man. It's good to have you. Good to see you again. How was your Christmas? Christmas was wonderful. Yeah? It was, it was you know, um, one word summates Thanksgiving and Christmas. Fulfilling. Food. <laughs> it was really good food. You know, as, as, as Sweetie and I heard, the laughter, um, yeah. the, the enjoyment, uh, even heard the silence uh, whilst eating. And, That's a good um, sound. That is a very good sound. Bless the Lord for that. And and everything from from every age yeah. that was present in our residence, it was absolutely fulfilling. The Lord was so kind. And 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 I think that's what we walked away with was Lord thank you. That was a fulfilling holiday season. Amen. Amen. Do you you cook, don't you? I don't You're domesticated. <laughs> Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I have no response, no rebuttal for that. I, you know, I don't. How many eat, turkeys did you cook? I don't let that information off the escape, John. How many turkeys did you cook? So on Thanksgiving, Four? I want to say we had a fried turkey, we had a a baked turkey, we had a smoked turkey, and and I want to say that there was another one. Swanson's turkey, no, and and all of them <laughs> were, were cooked, yeah. But and then, um, yeah, and uh, then, uh, sweetie and I cooked for uh, uh, Christmas as well. Yeah, and what do you do for Christmas? Turkey. You don't do turkey for Christmas. Uh, yes, do? we do a turkey. So we do a classic turkey. Yeah, which I hear is not classic. No, and you got to so, do hammer roast. Well, we did. We did. We did a fried turkey. We did a classic turkey. Then we did a a very specialized ham 
and then we did a rib roast. A specialized and ham. I yes. don't know what that means. I, I'll have to let okay. you taste it. And then we did a lamb. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. For just the four of you guys? Uh, no. <laughs> no. The house was fuzzy. <laughs> That's and, cool. And we did some very special things. And by the way, Sweetie home makes her dressing and she home makes her chocolates. I wow. Let you taste I've never had her chocolates. John, we have to rectify that. Seriously. You have to. You never invite me over for the holidays. <laughs> I thought it was your friend. <laughs> no invite. <laughs> no, it's you okay. have a very full house for that time. But we have to rectify this weekend the chocolate. Thing. Okay. She makes homemade chocolates that are ridiculous. Wow. I'm serious. Wow. That's awesome. I, I don't want to get into any advertisement <clears throat> things, but but better than than many companies. Yes. So, but you you'll be the judge of that. Wow. Well, that's yes. cool. But for our audience members, that is not an invitation to our house for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for the chocolate. <laughs> that is wow. Stuff. I don't know about you, but Christmas is my favorite time of year, but it's also the busiest time of year. It is. Because I, mean, I think the whole month of December you have so many things going on, you know, and Christmas parties and functions you go into and right. then family or whatever. And right. so that when Christmas comes, the, like the day after Christmas, it's like it's like a blackout around here because you just want to catch up and 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 uh and recover you know from all the all the celebrations which is a lot of fun you know i I love thanksgiving and christmas thanksgiving because marketers struggle to get their hands on that yeah um it it has such a pure message do you remember when thanksgiving had its own like section in the calendar of things like you, you know, it was, you know, in the world here in America, it's Halloween to Christmas. Yeah. And Thanksgiving used to have a little bit of a, actually did have a, its own advertisement and, you know, yeah. you know, but now it's, it's straight from, you know, one to the other. Well, and in, on speaking of Christmas, we were just in the store and saw things for uh, um, Valentine's Day already. That's too much pressure right now. (laughs) It's it's from marketing to marketing to marketing without really stopping to reflect and appreciate uh, the message of the day and and the the kindness of God in even giving you that day. I I just read an article the other day um, about a young couple who were located in Utah, living in Utah, on their way to Arizona to for Christmas announced to the family that they were pregnant and both of them killed in a head on. You know, and so you have to it, it's not it's not <clears throat> we can take that for granted. Right. It's appreciating literally every, every day. day and recognizing the gift of eternal life. Yeah. And then the gift of temporal life. Yeah. And health and and strength and family and friends and so many other things. And so to, to walk in the store and allow that to be um, um, miscarried into, right. into goods right. and, and money. And I think, and I think you lose because you get, you get so caught up in all the expectations of the season. Yeah. That you lose, you kind of, you don't get a chance to reflect, you know, on, on what God has done 
you know, or you know, obviously in Christmas in celebration of the, of the birth of Christ, but but in our own lives, it's it's sort of like you, you know, like this whole year went by like like a blink of an eye. That. I mean, we had a great, we had a wonderful, we had blessings this year. We had we had lots to talk about what we did this year, and uh, but to to sit and reflect on on let's say this year, this past year, all that God did. And if we don't do that, it's like you lose sight. It's like it's out of sight, out of mind. And but there's there are things that God is doing every day, of course. And unless you take note of that, you you lose you lose sight of the wonder of all. You get caught up and and not realize, okay, this these are gifts from God, and God's still alive, and He's still moving, He's still doing things. And I think maybe today we could do that. We can talk about you know reflect back maybe on this year, just kind of. Um, set up, you know, some memorials or whatever, you know. I know there's some scriptures we want to look at. Um, Let me make a very bold statement highlighting what you just said, John. To be clear, from Genesis to Revelation, a lack of remembrance is always a dangerous thing for believers. Right. A lack of reflection. Yeah. A lack of rumination, as it were. It is never just a failure to remember it is always a precursor to a very dangerous time in believers lives you know it's interesting because in the scriptures i'm thinking of uh, two scriptures one is psalm 103 Mm. bless the lord O my soul and all that which that is within me bless his holy name bless the lord O my soul and forget none of his benefits and of course you know you can and of course, the rest of the psalm he he continues on with I don't know seventeen or how many benefits there are, but that also reminds me of what he says in Deuteronomy. He says, "When y'all go into the land, be careful lest you forget the Lord your God, how He has brought you thus far, and then when you're successful and profitable, and everything is going well, that you think it was all you and not God." And so it's appropriate, you know, to take this time. We're we're doing this once a year, but really it should be a daily thing, just reflecting back. And we can we can dig into that. But I don't. I think I think the human mind we're forgetful. We're like sheep, you know, and we forget. You know, we tend to remember the tragedies and the trials, but we forget the blessings and the faithfulness of God, even in the midst of those trials. You know, right? And and, uh, and to be sure, the. <clears throat> the Webster's Dictionary lexical version of remember and Wait, Webster. you should be Oxford Dictionary, dude, not <laughs> that Webster. That is true. I'm kidding. trying to give a dictionary for the audience. But, <laughs> for the but, rest of us, for those <laughs> common folks, you know, <laughs> our, our, little, our peasants, you know. <laughs> when we talk about remembrance, our automatic um, thought is, oh, you're referring to something that I've forgotten. Right. Um... Um, and that's not what the biblical authors refer to when they talk about zakar or remember. Actually, it's far more to the point lexically. It literally means to rejoint covenantally right, right. in the biblical framework. And the people of God were not in danger of amnesia. Right. They were in danger of not acknowledging so as to disjoint or disconnect themselves covenantally right. um, to their responsibilities um, uh, before Yahweh. 
And and so I think if we mix those two together, <clears throat> as you said, we are oft more known for our failure to recount and recall the goodness of God. Our voices are most oft given over to complaints. Right. What we believe God is not doing in right. the moment, rather than a rehearsal of what God has done and is doing, and in fact utilizing that as a means of upbuilding for purposes of hope yeah. for the future of what God will do. He, yeah. he doesn't forsake the righteous. Right. And I think in that way, then, we have this propensity to disjoint and fail in our covenantal fidelity or faithfulness to God yeah. by, by doubting him, by failing to uphold the banner of his excellency in times past. Yeah. I think when we const- we need the constant reminder. Absolutely. You know, the constant reminder of, you know, because there are things in this in life and in this world that cause us to just get distracted or overwhelmed. They bombard us. They bombard us. I mean, that's a daily, it's a daily thing to, to not be bombarded for not just the attention, let's say, of, you know, sinful tendencies, but the things that overwhelm us, you know, you're dealing with you with your kids, you know, you're wondering, am I raising them right? Did I raise them right? Do they, do they know the Lord? Or you're, you're worried about, you know, um, your job or you're worried about, you know, the, the world, you know, this all that stuff that's gathered, that's grabbing for your attention. Absolutely. And so what happens is then, of course, you're like, well, where is God? And you sort of forget, right? And you and and it's. It's it's almost like you have to come into this always, you know, what's the psalmist says? Um, I, I kept the Lord as a forefront of my mind. What's um, I kept Yahweh always, always before me. before me? Yeah, and I and uh, because of that He's not going to be shaken, right? And that's important. I think that's that takes effort to do because I mean you can turn on the news, you can turn on your social media, and it's you know all this stuff, and so it's hard. Not to keep that as a as God as a priority. That's why I think, you know, the more we can keep God at forefront or keep in our minds understanding, I think that's important. I think we have to have those reminders. And when we look back at our lives or look back at our year, we could say, okay, where exactly? Where do I see the hand of God? You know, mm-hmm. and there's there's some scripture. Um, I think we want to maybe um, maybe turn to you know, you want like Joshua. I'm thinking Joshua four. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Joshua four. Um, just uh, just sort of just to launch off on our on our discussion, um, because um, uh, Joshua four, and uh, I'm looking at verse twelve twenty. I'm going to just jump to the to the to the main gist, right? Okay. So Joshua and Israel, they've come they've come out of Egypt. They've wandered for forty years. Now they're coming into the land. And they're about to cross the Jordan into the promised land, the promised land that was promised years before. Absolutely. So they're coming in from the Transjordanian side. Trans- and yeah. they're coming in from that That's fancy section. talk. <laughs> from the, <laughs> and, and it's going to actually, not from the Transjordan, forgive me, from the Cisjordan area. Right, right. Yeah, they're coming in from the east side. Um, and, and they're going to actually cross the Jordan. Yeah. And enter into the into the land to take occupancy officially. Now that's that's significant. I mean, God Absolutely. made this promise to Abraham 
years, you know, prior, you know, hundreds yes. of years prior, 400 years there in Egypt, right? Yeah, 430. And the, 430, and then they get out, and then they wander for for 40 years, and now they're now they're actually about to, to you know, enter into to the promises of God. And in verse 19, it says, the people came up from the Jordan. I'm looking at Joshua 419. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th of the first month and kept at Gilgal on the eastern edge of Jericho. And they had taken stones, you know, um, as they're going into the Jordan. God told them, take stones from the Jordan. When they got into the Jordan, the, the Ark of Covenant was there and the river stopped. So they're taking, they're walking on dry ground from the middle of Jordan. They're taking these big stones, setting up on the on the side, on the side of the bank, let's say, 12 stones. And they had taken from the Jordan, verse 20 and verse 21, it says, Then he said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean? Then you shall make your children know, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry land. For Yahweh, or the Lord your God, dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed, just as the, as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed. So just as like God split the Red Sea and the whole nation of Israel got out of Egypt, right? He's doing the same thing when you're crossing the Jordan. He caused the Jordan to stop. Then he says that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is strong so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now that's significant. They set up these stones for future generations, for a witness to testify. God did something here. Absolutely. And I think we have to have those kind of have sort of stones in our life, you know, high, markers of, of God's, the hand of God coming in and doing something significant. Not that we did, you know, it was, this was God coming through. This was God. I think we can, we can take our time and just reflect on that because we need those reminders. You need, you know, the children, our kids, you know, they need to see that God is real and that I think you can go through all the scripture and, and look at and see these kind of, you know, memorials. But even in our life, you know, we can, we can spend days talking about the hand of God. So I think that's important. Absolutely. I, <clears throat> I do think, John, that it's important to. I mean, my humble opinion. I, no, I, a, I agree with yeah. you. I, I think it's important to actually state that this is not unique to um, the the Israelites or the Hebrews that many ancient Near Eastern cultures would actually take stones right. and set them up in the ancient Near East right. as stones of remembrance right. to mark some significant sure. event. And so it seems worldwide that as a people human beings have understood the necessity to place markers of remembrance in places of significance. Right. Um, and so that's across the board. Uh, however, there are some unique things about stones of remembrance or markers of remembrance in connection to Yahweh's people right. and Yahweh's acts. Right. 
as well as we could speak of Judeo-Christianity, the work of God and the life of the believer should see a trail of places where when God acts on behalf of his people in their lives, his people mark those areas so that those areas are not only clearly seen by the individual who experienced in the moment, but they are clearly referred back to by generations to come so that the action of God is not forgotten in future generations. And I think that's important. And, 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 and so, um, I do think that there is a couple of things that, that should be noted. First of all, um, um, as you said, they're on the Cisjordanian area. Um, they are on the east side, right. and they are coming now officially into occupancy of the land that God promised <clears throat> to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. Yeah. So there is a mammoth promise being fulfilled here. Yeah. And when they are coming into this area, uh, they're coming uh, into this area and and they are going to have the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh who sits above the the, the anointed cherubim, right? <laughs> right? They're going to have the priests carrying that Ark. Right. And they're going to actually do something a little distinct here that did not occur um, in, in the uh, Red Sea incident. Right. First of all, there was no Ark of the Covenant at right. the time. Right, right. Uh, secondarily, they actually stepped on dry land, whereas the priests go in. They go into the water. Right. And right. then God separates. Right. But some, there are some unique distinctions here. But as you said, there is a summative concept at the end where all of the peoples, and we have to get to that in the future of our yeah. discussion here, yeah. because the argument is this is not just for the Israelites. Right. This it's is just, not just for yeah. the the Canaanites who are in the land. Right. This is for all of the peoples, the Goyim in Hebrew, or the ethnos, the ethnicities. Right. That somehow this serves as a marker then that is to reverberate into the future for all ethnic generations right. to remember God did something there. And God's doing something there is to be acknowledged by all people of God's faithfulness concerning God's yeah, faithfulness. I just want to <clears throat> kind of tag on, on to the significance that this was God keeping his promise that for hundreds of years was in waiting. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine being among the Israelites who are in that generation? You're on the, you're sort of on the banks. You're behind the priest. The ark's up there. But you're, you're, you're like... You're about. You're going to be the people that are going to be the first to walk into the promised land, and you have not on the weight of your shoulders, but sort of behind you or lift, or like you're on the shoulders of all the waiting and the prayers and the anticipation of God's God's word. That the testimony is God's word will come true. God's God has not forgotten His word, and despite all of the obstacles they have faced from. Abraham through the the, the uh, Egyptian bondage, you know. Now they're they're coming, and the significant. This is more than just God stopping waters, which is it's you know that's great, you know that's impressive. But now this is God. This is a memorial to God keeping His word, and I think you know there are times when we as human beings we're like, well, will, will God come through here? Will God come through there? You got this is this is testimony that, and this is. Um, though it's way back in Joshua 4 of the scriptures, 
this is God's pattern. Absolutely. God's pattern of always keeping his word despite delays and all that, that he will do what he says. And so I think I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking of the significance. And if those people understood, like Jesus says, you know, people, we, the prophets wondered, you know, I'm paraphrasing at, at, they look forward to what you guys would see, you know, the disciples and the people living the first century, but they saw with their own eyes of Christ. They wondered about that. They anticipated and look forward to what, what was that like, you know? And so in, in one sense, there's the, um, uh, the, 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 the testimony for future generations of, of God's power, God's promise and, and God, you know, and so I think, you know, I, I just think this is one, this is one example. Mm-hmm. You can probably set up pillars like this daily or throughout scripture. I can, you know, I can go through all the examples of you, you ask a, a certain Bible character, what pillar are you going to set up? Oh, Hezekiah. We were surrounded by the Assyrians. God sent one angel to kill 185,000, and and bam, that's I remember that overnight, (laughs) you know. Or David, who comes in from the fields watching the sheep, you know, and David says, you know, God help me with killing the lion and the bear against the sheep. This Philistine does nothing. So he had that. Look, so I'm seeing those those pillars, those memorials, remembrance. They strengthen their faith. They're, and God's, you know, he, it's, you know what I'm saying? it's not just a, a one done thing. It's that's how God is, you know, in our lives. And, and so I think it's important. So anyway, I'm. No, no, no. I, I think that that's very significant, John, because what we see. I'm about in, to preach now. <laughs> what, what we see in Genesis is we see a God who is capable of doing things instantly. Right. But instead does things progressively and patiently. Yeah. And it begs the question, why? Yeah. Why do you take this route to accomplish things versus doing things quite instantly? Right? Yeah. And it seems that creation becomes an opportunity and the manner of creation becomes an opportunity for God to state something, for God to develop something, and then for God to demonstrate his characteristic and what he has stated, what he has developed, and how he has brought it to pass. Yeah. In other words, he is a God who is patient, and he is a God who is faithful. Yeah. And he is willing to begin a plan, and then to undertake that which is necessary to develop it, and ultimately and finally undertake that which is necessary to fulfill it. Yeah. And you see that as a, parent, uh, as a pattern introduced... In the Genesis narrative. And you not only see it in the Genesis narrative, you see it in salvific history in the characters, right? Right. You see this present in a uh, uh, Abel. When will righteous Abel be vindicated? Right. Uh, You see this in a Noah. Uh, how will God undertake this? And over time, how will God bring about this judgment in a ma- manner that addresses sin, but keeps his covenantal people safe? Do you see this in, in a Genesis 3.15? How is he going to right. bring about this seed of the woman right. who's going to receive a fatal bite to the heel as he is, devil- as he is delivering a fatal blow to the head of the serpent, right? right? And, and, and so you're going throughout this larger history in Genesis 1 through 11, and finally you see that this larger history begins to give way to a redemptive covenant in Genesis 12. In Genesis 15, and even though you see some sidelining in Genesis 16 with right. Ishmael, right. you see once again in Genesis 18, listen, I have not failed, 
this time next year, right. Sarah is going to actually have a son. And by the way, although Abram would have other children, he's only going to have one covenantal child right. with Sarah. And what you see is God now over time through that son gives another covenantal son, Jacob, gives another uh, a series of covenantal sons, the 12 for the 12 tribe, gives Judah a covenantal son. God patiently develops and brings that alone right. so that what we see is God is seen to be faithful in accomplishing his word over time. But what's interesting about this, if you look at the uh, at Joshua, he says, um, when your children... in Ask their fathers in time to come, children and generations to come who didn't, they weren't there with Abraham. They weren't there with, with, uh, with the, the time in Egypt, you know, it's to, to them, it's the past, just like for us, it's the past. Mm-hmm. And they wonder what is this mean? Because, you know, each generation has to see, has to sort of acquire the knowledge of God or, or come to faith in God. They have to see that God actually worked in history. Absolutely. And I think that's significant because we don't, our faith isn't one that's fairy tales. These are actual places, actual people. Abraham was an actual person. Joshua and these guys were actual people. These were actual places, right? And I think, because sometimes time and, and, and distance, let's say, sort of, it sort of puts in the category of, okay, it's not really related to me. You know, I'm, it's over there. It's long ago, far away. Whereas there's a connection here between what happened at this event that, that God did in the course of history uh, that, that has significance, you know. And it's the same thing. We, you know, we went, to, we went to Israel. Yes. We had a wonderful year. We, had, we did a, a trip to Israel in May. And I remember we started advertising a year ago in uh, March, actually. I think it was March or April of 2022. And for a whole year, we, we promoted it, you know, and, and the whole thing about even going was I had been there 10 years before, and I'm wondering, is, you know, maybe how many people want to go to Israel? You know, I didn't know who, who would want to go. Right. And so we spent that year praying and preparing and wondering who God would bring and the timing of it and the people he brought. We had 31 of us. We had a fantastic, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better Group of people and the 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 way he brought everyone together, it was significant. It's for many people, it was a milestone that most people. You, it was the first time there. Mm-hmm. Some people got baptized in the Jordan. Yeah, and we have one so lady sweet. from our church that she came for the first time to our church a year before, and this was almost a year later. She's being baptized in the Jordan. You know, like all these things that God was doing. And so we go there and we see now, we see places like the, the, the empty tomb where we see, you know, Jerusalem or all the city of David, places that, that are more testimonies of God's faithfulness. And the fact that we're in Israel and that Israel's a nation, that the, the people of God, the Jewish people still exist as a testimony to the faithfulness of God, God keeping his people, you know, you can't. You can't deny that, you know, and these were, it's more than this historical place, right? The stones or the place, this was a a theological place as well, because God did something here. And there was places that we didn't even stop at, that we could have that says God did something here, God did something there, God did something there. And it was like, okay, that's, you, 
you can't help but be in wonderment of God. And so it's it's sort of like we have to have that in our lives constantly because otherwise it does feel like, okay, it's all long ago, but what about today? Well, those testimonies are here. The envy tomb, those places are are a constant reminder of the goodness of God. So the goodness and the faithfulness of God. I, I, you you mentioned something. I, I want to just point back into the text for a few moments. You mentioned something marvelously significant. First of all, the passage that you read in Joshua is a, is a wonderfully Jewish tendency. When your children, you know, it is ask, a Jewish Bible. It is. <laughs> when your children ask. Um, you look at this, you look at Deuteronomy chapter number six, you look at holy days like Shabbat, you look at holy days like Pesach or Passover, Passover, right? And, And the way that these days are set up is for conversational interaction betwixt parent and child. Right. So that the children are sort of given a script where they ask certain questions. Why is it this day any different question at the Passover? Yeah, why is this day different than all others? Right. And and so they are they are given a a sort of catechesis, right? A, a catechism, right in the middle of this holy day or holiday, as it were, and it becomes a moment for instruction. So first of all, this was not just to be a silent memorial. It was to be an opportunity for social, familial, discipling, relational interaction betwixt parent and child and from the elders of the community to the younger generation of the community. So that's how this is set up. And right. and, and Judaism is very much set up in that way, right. catechetically, if you will, right. um, so that it becomes moments of instruction. But there are certain unique proclivities about this moment um, that that stand out. First of all, we should say um, this whole chapter is unique within the framework of Scripture in that God only does this sort of thing four times in Scripture. Right. Right. He's he's done it with the Red Sea. Right. This would be the second incident. Right. Then in Kings with Eliyahu or Elijah. Right. 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 And then with Elisha, who's going to come back across the Jordan. Right. So, so that's pretty significant because water in scripture like this is only divided concerning men um, uh, four times. There's a fifth time that happens in Genesis when God separates Separates the the waters waters from from the waters, waters, right? And that's kind of this preeminent thing. So Genesis opens up with the only person who can actually do this is Yahweh Elohim. Okay, stop right there. Let me just tag on to that. Okay. Because I think that's the other thing that's significant about these stones. It's not just the historical. It's the fact that it was God who did this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. See, we didn't have those, those things in our life that remember, this wasn't me making happen. God, this was impossible. I mean, stopping the waters from flowing, right, was a supernatural act. Absolutely, and it has to be. It has to be. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter number one, only Yahweh, the waters are presented 
as first of all um, um, chaotic, deadly, yes, dangerous. Yes, it makes this planet uninhabitable. Right, tohu vabohu. Right? right, and so only Yahweh is able to to separate the chaotic waters yeah. and establish an environment that is conducive to life and safe. But you know, you know, think about this. You think about we're thinking about places and, and events like say separating the waters or or God turning off the faucet of rain. You know, with with Elijah or God providing. Uh, uh, through the, rave, uh, the, the the oil and the and the, mm-hmm. the bread uh, with the, the the widow and everything else, right? But you know, in one sense, you know, we, just to make this a little more practical, is our very lives ought to be that testimony that God has done something here, absolutely, right? That God has done something that no man could have done. I think that's the whole. You know, you th- again, we go through the whole history. You know, Abraham and Sarah aren't supposed to have kids. She's barren, and they're both old and they're past age, but yet somehow, some way, they have a child, right? And it goes on, and all these impossibilities, like, like okay, the, the thing that's different here is that God showed up. And I think that's the, the whole testimony is 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 that not that man can become stronger. The whole thing is this was something that no one else can come in and and make the difference and yet God has showed up and that's why we, we remember those things and I think our very lives if we look at our very lives maybe not you, you're raised in the church and everything else like that but some of us you know whose lives were like the prodigal son mm-hmm. you know whose lives were, were full of formless and void and darkness and we were lost and yet God got a hold of us and the difference is him and our lives are a memorial stone so to speak to his very presence in us, you know, and you want that to be, you know, like the future generation thing where the kids, you know, ask, why is this? We want to be able to share with our own children testimonies of how God changed things. And that's, Absolutely. I think that's the whole, that's the whole message of scripture. I mean, is, is the redemptive act, you know, plan of God. And, and now he makes people who are dead alive and, you know, blind to see and lost and found and everything. Uh, I just think that's, you know, the more so, I think the emphasis here in the text here is um, Yahweh your God, Yahweh your God, that the people may know that the hand of Yahweh is strong, that they may fear Yahweh. That's four times God has mentioned, like, ding, 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 you know, that's what we have to do is remember what God has been so good to us. You know, anyway, let me mention, no, let me mention parenthetically, I want to clarify that growing up in the church is certainly a blessing and privilege, but a person is not a believer. Were you born a a preacher? (laughs) (laughs) Did you come out with the, with the microphone in your, in your, in your, your your first, what he does. Your first first (laughs) rattle was a, was a microphone, you know? <laughs> he like drops it and everything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I know that that people are not believers by affiliation or association or even exposure. Right, I agree. Just like the family of Jesus Christ, right? His 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 siblings uh, uh, have siblings through Mary didn't and Joseph did not become believers until post resurrection. Yeah, right. And and so it's important to know that while. Being in such an environment um, was a blessing to those of us who were, yeah. and certainly gave us fostered an environment that was far more conducive right. to acquiescence to the gospel, right? Um, and and certainly protected us from certain things. We were no less sinners by nature yep. and by yep. um, action. Uh, than others were. In fact, sometimes it's harder for people in the church to be saved because they don't think they're sinners. Right. 
And so they, they define doing all the church stuff as yeah. righteousness. And so, and so we really are in the same boat. Uh, we have memorial stones as well. And some Christians think, well, because I, uh, I grew up uh, in the church and I don't have a memorial stone that looks like so-and-so where right. I was in a bar here or there. Right. No, you have a memorial stone because your sin and sinfulness and sinful nature was just as decrepit uh, and, and, and horrid as anyone else's. Yeah. And that's part of the testimony that God had to bring you to that place right. where you realized right. uh, that you were a sinner in need of a savior. I mean, just think, cause I think that's important because you know, some of us, you know, who are pastors or some of us or some maybe who are, who grew up in the church. Let's say you, 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 you grew up in the church or you're, you're, you're a parent and your kids were, you dragged your church, your kids to the church every Sunday and then they're not turning out the way mm. you'd want them because they're exposed to it. they, need the grace of God as much as the one who didn't grow up in Absolutely. church. And I think it's, you know, you do your best to teach your children. You do your best to raise them. But God has to make them born again. God Absolutely. has to, you know, God has to shine the light in that darkness as well, you know. And you pray and that that they get that. But they need a divine encounter with God just as much as the guy who grew up with no church, you know. And so I think there's there's hope for for people who are maybe discouraged, maybe their 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 children haven't turned out and they've done their best, you know. And you know, and to hear that Jesus' own brothers, you know, James and Jude, let's say, two of the ones that become significant in the church after the, they didn't believe in him during the during their right. life, they they thought they thought he was a nuts. And so I think, yeah, again, it's um, we can we can continue praying for our kids and and believing God for them. But we we have to understand that if they're going to come to faith, it's it's going to be God only, and in God's time and God's way. And yet you hope to 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 cultivate that. But you know, He saves them the way He saves anybody else. Yeah, the Holy Spirit convicts and convinces yep. them of sin, righteousness, yep. and judgment. Yeah, and and we mustn't make a a second tier category for those who were. Uh, born <clears throat> practically on the church pew, right. we must realize that the same God who reaches outside of the house right. has to reach inside the house. Right. Salvation is by uh, grace through faith Amen. alone. Amen. And, and so, so in looking at this passage, first of all, again, I want to suggest that this is unique and it should be seen as unique in scripture with the, the, the miracles concerning separating waters. So right. this is a distinct moment in in the history of the people and in salvific history. By the way, this is a little closer in proximity right. um, to the Red Sea event, right? Right. Uh, um, uh, and and so it's rather unique. But I want to uh, also point out something that also sets this out as unique. If we're looking at verses one through eight, interestingly enough, and I'll just look here at verses. Um, uh, oh yeah, uh, seven and eight. Yep. Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of Yahweh when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Thus, the sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones 
from the middle of the Jordan, just as Yahweh spoke to Joshua, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Israel, and they carried them <coughs> over with them to the lodging place and put them down there. Now, they're going to carry these stones to Gilgal. Right. And they're going to probably carry larger stones. These right. are not no, small these stones. These aren't little pebbles, yeah. So there's a group of individuals carrying them, and they're going to carry... 12 of them representative one stone of each tribe. Right. Not only did God do this for the community, 12, right. but God did this for each tribe. Right. And God did this for each person within the tribe. Right. And that, by the way, is akin to what happens in verse number 20 when the text says, those 12 stones which had, they had taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Right. So that's going to be that incident. However, in verse number nine, yep. then Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan yeah. at the place where the feet of the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. Now, what's unique is that's, yeah. there's two sets of stones. Yeah. There's two witnesses. Right. There's 12 on Gilgal, on land. Right. And there's 12 in the Jordanian River. Yeah. Can I say something? Yes. This is, okay, this, can, um, as, okay, so Joshua wasn't told to do this, right? God only told him to take the stones from the middle of the Jordan. The, the, the Jordan's been split. They're on dry ground. Take the stones. They're going to go with Gilgal. But he takes the stones. He puts them back. He puts new stones into those into the middle of the Jordan, but no one's ever going to see those stones, right? Because the Jordan's going to flood over again, right? But there is still a testimony. Like if you wanted to go and check out, the, you know, at that time, and you go swimming in the middle of the Jordan, you're going to see stones. Why? Because even though it's unseen to man, God still see it. There's still memory in jo- in Joshua's mind and those who are. This happened here. The ark was here. God stopped the waters, and we're going to not forget this event. The one event. The first event about the stones at Gilgal is to remember that they crossed over, right? Mm-hmm. But I think this event with the stones in the middle of the Jordan that no one else will see but only God and those who remember, they all remember the still that's the, that something happened. You know, this is more than God is bringing us across the Jordan. This is something where we were able to place these stones here and no one else done it before. And there's times when you, you and I, we, 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 we went running. <laughs> yes. And I had been praying about a certain thing. Yeah. And, you know, and God answered that prayer. Yeah. And we had, we took some stones. That's right. I remember that. And, place. and I don't think we had oil at the time, but we no. just, we just set up some stones as a memorial. No one knows where it's at. Yeah. You and I do. And God knows. And it's still stuck in my memory. You know, that was a, just a significant thing. You know, if, you know, it was a, you know, ministry thing or prayer thing, whatever, you know, yeah. the, the, but that's significant. I think so this wasn't for all the world to see no. in the middle of the Jordan. But Joshua knew it, and God knew it, and it was like, okay, I still remember, God, you did something here. I think that's significant. Maybe there's people who are listening or watching, or you have those events where God has come through in a personal way, like something that you have been bearing, you've been praying for, and God answered that. And the whole world doesn't know about but you know, and it's, it's a remembrance to you that God was faithful even in those unseen places and in an yeah. incredible way. So that just have to, yeah. no, I'm, I'm very grateful for that because that was very precious. Yeah. And we took a photo in fact. Yeah. There. Yeah. And, uh, that is a, a reference that oft, um, either of our minds will run back to yeah. and acknowledge. I forgot Lord, about if you that. You did that. This reminded me of that. I forgot yeah. about that until just now. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, That's amazing. Can you imagine Joshua later on in life, 
you know, as he's going into the promised land and conquering, and, and maybe he's going through, we don't know, I'm speculating, but he has to think back, not just the stones at Absolutely. Gilgal, but the ones that no one else sees. Absolutely. Where God was faithful in those ways. I think, I, again, I think a lot of us may have those, those Jordan stones Absolutely. tucked away in our hearts uh, before, the, as a testimony to the Lord, that, that we, we privately worship him in those, you know, in, in, because of those things. Well, you know? I, I think that there are a few things. Let's, let's discuss the topographical indications and the get, geological. You get all technical here. Topographical. <laughs> Where's the, the dictionary? The, the lay of the land <laughs> and, and also the largeness of the stones. Is that a word? Largeness? Yes. Yes. You're so loquacious. <laughs> in the erudite. And, if you are looking at these stones, <laughs> these stones would have been something that would have stood out. Right. They're not going to be um, smaller pebbles. They're not going to be things easily overlooked or easily forgotten. These are meant to be memory markers. Right. Um, they are going through great effort. It's going to take muscularity. Yeah. It's going to take cooperation. They are going through great effort to put up a monument and memorial to the activity of God. Yeah. That's, that's profound to me. These things are going to be pronounced in a way where they can be seen by the people of God and by the enemies of God. Yeah. They're just barely occupying the land, uh, John. Yeah. So here's the statement to the Canaanites and to the Amorites, right? God just brought us through the water. This is what's coming. Yeah. You're going to have to face our faithful God. Yep. But that's a powerful marker. Yeah. It's a powerful marker. And when we are in the midst of battle with you and we wonder, is he with us? Has he forsaken us? Let me just pause for a moment. This is Joshua four. You go over to Joshua seven. You're going to have an Achan issue. Yep. Where they're defeated in battle. But that doesn't mean that God is not faithful. Yeah. That doesn't mean that God has reneged on that promise. That is the discipline of God as a result of Achan and his family's sin, right? Right. So God deals with the sin, and then they go on from there in victory. But do you know how important those monumental markers, memorable markers that are very pronounced are at those moments? They are there during the high moments of their history. They're there during the low moments of their history. They are there when they move from the book of uh, Joshua to to the book of Judges to their cycles of sin. To remember, we are faithless, but there is a marker that reminds us that God is ever faithful. So that's the marker that's seen by both the people of God and the enemies of God. I was going to say, with that, as you're you're painting the picture of, of they have the markers on the one side of the Jordan, in the Jordan, they're coming out, going to eventually go to Jericho, right? Mm-hmm. And the reputation of God has already preceded them so that people of yes. Jordan were greatly, it says the city was shut up and everyone is afraid. Everyone knows, right? Mm-hmm. Rahab, who, who, who understands, hey, I'll help you guys out, but you got to help me out because we know what your God has done. We heard about what, what he did in Egypt. God's reputation precedes him. Right. But would that, would, here's the thing. The enemies of God knows what God's going to do. <laughs> but sometimes the people of God, we are, we're forgetful, right? right? But would that we as a people of God would walk in that confidence that God has, that we have these stones here, we have the memorial here, we have the confidence of God, that we would walk with that understanding that our God is still with us. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, 
maybe I don't know because we don't set up physical stones necessarily. Like we don't have those reminders, but we need those reminders because realize the enemy already knows what God's about, right? Yes. But we're 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 sort of afraid of that. We're sort of ignorant. We're sort of forgetful of that. It's like, wait, if God has been faithful in your life so, thus far, He will continue to be faithful, and He will continue to be with you, though things are not happening the way you want them to happen. Right. You have to walk with the understanding. That's why I think. I, th- I think taking the time to reflect on, you know, not just the biblical example, which is which is huge, obviously, mm-hmm. but in our own very lives, absolutely, where we walk and say, well, if God, God has this pattern of doing these things, why can't we walk like J- Joshua going to Jericho, confident that our God is with us? Right. You know, I mean, they got into trouble back in Numbers when the the ten. 10 out of the uh, 12 spies said, oh, we can't do it. Yeah. And then Caleb and Joshua said, so of course, God's with us, right? right. We ought to be people of God that, that walk in that understanding of that our God has not left us. And I think that's the struggle is the enemy tries it to say, well, you know, that he's left you or he's deserting all that. But we, the pattern of scripture is, is profoundly significant. And I think, I think just a way of encouragement is like, you know, if we did more of the reflection of, of God's coming throughness, so to speak, His faithfulness. Mm-hmm. It, it, I would hope it. We we we'd say, well, let's, I think God can do the same thing here. Yes. You know. Yes. Why not? Yes. You know. I think I think our children need to see that. You know, our kids need to see that. The people, other people of God who are maybe discouraged, they need to see that kind of boldness and faith and expectation. And you know, and and uh, you know, and and to say, you know, we're. You know, God is still faithful. I think Jesus, when he when he's with the disciples and they have five thousand people, he says, "Feed them." Right? Mm-hmm. Where we're going? Well, he's testing them to find out. Do you understand what you have? You have you have the God of all creation with you, right. who can? And I think, and I think, as they probably later on went on in their ministry, we talked about this before. You know, here's uh, James and John going, and there's a guy who's paralyzed, and he says, "Silver and gold, I don't have any, but what I do have." I give to you. Right. Well, what happened? In their mind, their memory, they had memory stones, so to speak, of seeing Jesus doing that. Absolutely. And that helped them to move forward in that same kind of faith. I, th- I think this, that's important because we, anyway, I'm, I'm... No, no, I'm completely in agreement with you. Yeah. Let's, let's drill into this a little bit further. If they're taken from the Jordan and they're large stones, then the water covering them would be a good volume of water. Oh, yeah. The level of the water and the placement of the stones are what aid in indicating only Yahweh could have done this. Right. I mean, the whole topography is an indication this is something that you won't be able to cross this river and take credit for. Right. That's huge. (laughs) God did this. Only God can do this. And God loves to do things like that in those moments of our lives where he alone gets the glory. You won't be able to walk across and say, I've helped God. Right. You won't be able to say, God did this part. I did this part. Yeah. What you'll walk through is deep enough. Right. Where you will only be able to give God the credit Amen. and the glory for having brought you through. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. And then it's, it's, it's interesting to me because you not only have the stones that are visible. Yeah. 
but you have the private stones. That's what I want to right. dub these. That, yeah, I was talking about that, yeah. That's this place of intimacy where everybody else could walk by and, and see that. Yeah. But only the people who are alive and know what those are up there for yep. and share with their children about that. They're able to say, hey, hey son or daughter, there's some that you can see there. Yep. But there's some things that God did for me yep. that nobody nope. can see and nobody knows. Nope. Yep. There, there, there are those private yep. areas of testimony. Yep. And, 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 and I can share those with you. I can yep. tell you about those. Yep. But there are areas that, are, that almost are hidden and covered up. Yep. And, and if, the, if, the, if the riverbed could testify, yep. if the waters could testify, oh, yeah. if, if that stone under the water could testify, there are certain things that you'll never know and your eyes will never be able to see yep. that are just private and intimate between God and I that God has done. Amen. And I think both of those are important. Uniquely, John, at this particular area, most uh, um, uh, biblical scholars believe that it is not only this area where they crossed, but later on, this may in fact be the area where John chose to baptize. Right. Oh, man. And so this this area carries profound significance throughout the generations. So I want to back off of this story now. Uh, in synthesis and say what we're seeing here is a unique area in scripture only one of four yeah unless you count God's separation of water in Genesis chapter number one yeah only one of four in scripture secondarily something that is done that is clearly Yahweh and could not have been the people next Yahweh does this to affirm his servant, Joshua. Yeah. How do I know that you'll be with me like you were with Moses? Right. And the text says afterward that the people revered Joshua right. as they revered Moses. Yeah. That God did something to show himself so strong that it also caused the people to honor the man of God in the midst of this circumstance. You know, I was going to say is there's two things. One, it reminds me of when God says to Gideon, you have too many men. Mm. And Gideon, of course, is raised by God to, to lead against the Midianites. And he says, you have too many men. And he has to trim them down. Because one is, there's a tendency in our hearts to want to help God out mm. to the point that we get the glory. Right. And if God is going to do something powerful in anyone's life, it has to be that so obvious that it was God and no one else. That's right. And there's that part of that God has to strip away the, I helped God out, right? Yes. Versus only God could have done this, you know? Yeah. And you look at the people that God has used, you know? Uh, he, he uses the barren, he uses the re- rejects of society, the, the fishermen, the, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the ex-junkies or whatever, you know, you just, or just even normal people as well. You know, even regular people who didn't have a, they weren't, they were the older brother that stayed faithful to God, but still there's the, there there has to be a point where, where this has to be a testimony to God, not to me. And that's important for this reason, John. This generation that put those stones in the river and on the land in Gilgal. They're going to die, but the testimony won't. Yeah. Yeah. There's a permanent marker 
we don't know where it is archaeologically. Um, we don't know where the exact place is under the Jordan. Yeah. But there is a permanent marker and attestation to the fidelity or to the trustworthiness or to the faithfulness of God that stands and it's going to outlive me. Yep. And what I'm supposed to do is, although his faithfulness and that testimony will outlive me, I'm supposed to make sure that I pass as a baton yep. that testimony to future generations right. so that when I die, his reputation doesn't. Amen. That it becomes a monumental marker in the lives of others saying, this is what God did for my forefathers. Yep. Yeah. In other words, we're supposed to be very vocal and not silent so that when we pass on, God's testimony carries on Amen. into Amen. generations to come. And not only in generations to come amongst believers, but it carries on throughout the world. One last thing before we finish, I'm just thinking about this, that whenever God does come through, you think about the pattern of Scripture, whenever God comes through, it's always in a position where, where, where you were overwhelmed or, or over... Uh, where the odds are against you, so to speak, right? Yes. Where, where th the obvious thing is that God came through because we couldn't have done this without God. We couldn't have manufactured or reproduced this without. Like, see, see, some people they want to, they want to say, "Thank you, God, for the instructions. Now let me go do it on my own." Mm. And the pattern of Scripture is time to come. He will not allow you. If He will bring you to the place of utter dependency. Mm -hmm in need of him where where it's the darkness of dark and it's the it's the impossibility of impossibilities you know yes where where your strength is weak your resources are low your patience is gone <laughs> you know you're overwhelmed with the worries of the world and with and the and the discouragement of the enemy and yet when he comes through in those situations he gets the glory more than anyone else. Right. You know, and we will be in heaven. Those of us who are believers in Christ will be in heaven. We will, in one sense, we are being built of as testimony stone, so to speak, to God. Yeah. Each of our lives and as a church as a whole, as a testimony to the hand of God and the faithfulness of God. Absolutely. That all future generations, and I pray that, that whoever our kids, our grandkids, and, and the rest of all, they would say, Okay, there was something that Grandpa uh, CL did for the Lord, but it wasn't him, it was the Lord. Absolutely. You know, or Grandfather John, that God stepped in in such a way, but it couldn't have been him because Grandpa John wasn't that great, but God was greater, and that's what we give praise for, you know? So I'll let you finish up, brother, because well, we're... Uh, just really quick, I, I I know we haven't recorded in a while, so I'm going to trust that. It's been a that, year. I know. I'm going to trust that our listeners will give us just give a, us little, a little bit of <laughs> give, give us a little bit of grace here. It's some hey, some I things. Guess no extra, you know, like it doesn't cost any extra. To <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I I just want to mention a, a few things textually, and then we'll go into application because I don't think we can leave this without very terse direct specific application yeah so many things should be mentioned and and we are skipping so much but verse 24 we skipped a couple of jot and tills and 
<laughs> yodes and bobs. That all the peoples of the earth. I'm in chapter 4, verse 24. Okay, I think you said 26. Okay. That all the peoples of the earth may know. <clears throat> now, isn't this interesting? Because this is an intertextual illusion. Right. God or Yahweh was going to do to Egypt what he did that all the earth may know. Yeah. There is then this illusion rehearsal in similar language in this text. Why is God doing what he's doing for this nation? In fact, why does God do what he does for any of his people? Right. To carry a larger message to both believers and unbelievers. Whatever God has done for any believers that are listening to us under the sound of our voice, he's done that for a bigger purpose than just your life. Yep. Amen. Now, it blesses your life. It benefits your life. But it glorifies him. Amen. And when God does something worthy of glory, don't fail to give him his stage, his status, and his stately praise and recognition. Praise him because your private story should be his public glory. Yep. That, that, that's the truth. And so he has done this that all peoples, but, but you go further that they may know that the hand. Now, that's unique. Right. Because remember, this was the depiction of Pharaoh. Right. With, with an outstretched hand. Yep. Here, anthropomorphic God is being depicted in right. human language or speak or description, right? Right. This is the muscle or the might of Yahweh extended on behalf of his people. Hmm. They haven't even gone in to face their enemies yet. Right. At this stage, as they're entering to the land, they've faced some on the Cisjordan side, right. even under the leadership of Moses. Right. But at this point, this is the hand of God on behalf of his people. The hand of God, the muscle, the might of God expressed on behalf of his people in benefit or in beneficence of his people so that they, they will what? Purpose clause. Right. So that they I mean, would give him reverence amen. forever. And, and, and so I, I want to pause here and I want to say, what does this suggest for believers? That believers, you said earlier, we don't want to direct, go from interpretation to application. They set up stones, so go to your backyard. Right. And, and now you have a monument of stones, right? You have a right? rock pile somewhere. Because they're going to say, Grandma, you're weird, right? That's, <laughs> that's not the goal here. <laughs> How do believers apply this today? You need to open your mouth in your life to believers and unbelievers. Yep. Don't let God do something and you not give him glory. For right. Mm. Don't plagiarize the work of God in your life so that you either take credit for it or you don't document who's worthy for what he's done. God is not a ghostwriter in your, in your no. life. He's the author. How, how do we take that now? That was very terse. Right. So let's, let's go through this. Listen, you cannot have made it to where we are in this year now without God having done something for you. Yep. You can't. I don't know what scale he's done it on. Right. But the fact that you are here now is evidence and testimony that God has done something. Now here's the truth. 
I can worship next to you and not even know all that he's done. Yep. I don't know what he did on the highway, what you missed, what could have happened. You know when you had to hit your horn. You know when you were almost struck. Yep. I, I don't know. Uh, you know COVID is not gone. Mm-hmm. People have still experienced that. And right. the fact that you have lived to date what other people did not survive. Or what any means you, you had to pass by on your way to church or to, on your way to, to worshiping him. Yes. What, what inner ailments, right. what external adversaries or enemies, where the adversary came to the Lord and said, let me do this to them. Right. And whatever you experience came through the loving hands of God. But I praise him, John, for the things that he said no to. Right. For the things that I'll never know that he said no to. Yeah. And I'm here today because he said no to them. And I'm stronger today because he said yes to certain things. And it's important for me to share that with my wife, sweetie, Yeah. to say, sweetheart, we're married, but there are some things that God did for me that yep. you don't even know. Right. And some things that God did for you that I don't even know. Right. Private things in your mind, sure, private sure. things in your body, yeah. private things in your experience, right? Some of the things that you wanted or you didn't want. It's important for us to share that with the children, yeah. to say, hey, children. Listen, we want you to know God is gracious. One of the, one of the phrases in, in our household is this. When God does certain things, John, that are so be, that's so beyond us, I'll look at sweetie and at the children and I'll say, babies, God is a gracious employer. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He will take care of you in ways that, that employment, that money he'll provide stuff when you need it that you don't you can't right. go to the bank for it right you can't reach in your back pocket yep. and god will put you on somebody's heart and just yep. when he'll yep. make a way out of nowhere he'll give you favor with yeah. enemies yeah he'll give you favor with believers yep he'll put your name in people's minds and yep. mouths that you never met and you don't know that they're having a conversation about blessing you right God will open doors that no man can shut yeah. and that no man could have opened for yeah. you. God will shut doors that you fiercely want to get through yeah. and then give you the blessing to live to see what would have been on the other side. Yeah. I mean, God does all kinds of things in any given moment, on any given day, on any given circumstance, through people in various ways. Yeah. And it's God's graciousness to say, you know, I did that, and I was looking out for you. I like to say, I like to say, even and look at my life and looking at the church. If you only knew, oh my God! I mean, I can probably do a whole sermon on on that. If you only knew, you know, when I I didn't have the strength to minister, mm. didn't have the faith to open my Bible, uh, didn't didn't I felt like I lacked everything. I can't. You know, I look at I look at you. I look at my other friends who are pastors. Y'all can sing. You can lead worship. You have confidence. I'm this little. Who am I, right? Mm. And and my prayer has always been in my life and in the ministry that God gets all the glory. That this that the church we have we have a small church, but God has brought every single person, and God has provided supernaturally in ways, um, even in the course of preaching in the course of ministering that I take no credit for. And my prayer has always been, let it be that people say, it's not because of that guy, meaning, you know, John Corr. It's obviously God's doing something. That's always been my prayer because 
And there are times, you know, you know, I've you and I have talked. You have encouraged me yeah. every week. You know, you know the the spiritual battles I go through, and they can be pretty intense. And yet, God always has come through. Yeah. And there was times I would I say, I say to people, if you only knew, yeah, if you only knew how spiritually how my cup had run had ran dry, and yet God filled it to overflowing. If you only knew how. Out of I I can't explain the the enablement of the Holy Spirit or you know the, the, whatever it is in uh, of 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 not just ministry but also even in life as well just if you only knew and God those are the personal private testimony stones you know yes that that no one else knows but you and God know and you know that God and and then. You question whether God would do it again, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then He comes through again and again and again. And for some reason, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you on that. And it's like to God be the glory, right? To God be the glory, not not to not to any of us. Yeah, you know. Um, and then we praise God for what the the the, the uh, opportunities that God gives and yeah. the the victories. And but there's those times when mm. when. If you only knew, oh my goodness, this is where, this is where (laughs) I'm, you know, this is where in in the classic black church, they had a song that they sang. You don't know, like I know what the Lord has done for Oh man. Another song that they sang in the classic black church, Jesus, I'll never forget Mm -hmm. what you've done for me. Yeah. Right now, my eyes are wanting to testify. Mm -hmm. My tear ducts are wanting to testify. Um, In classic black history, which in this area enjoins larger history of Christianity, listen at one of the lines of Amazing Grace, through many dangers, Hmm. toils and snares, I have already come. T'was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me on, or lead me home. Amen. Um, one of the classic current gospel songs as I look back over my life and I think things over I can truly say that he's brought me all the way I have a testimony Amen. I, I could go on and on in, in so many cultures where in various ways that's been expressed but may I say this 2023 has not been easy. You may have had mammoth problems, but they did not outweigh your mega God. You don't have to have a mega church to have a mega God. Mm -hmm. In fact, although we look and we say two to three million Israelites... They were small in comparison to the other seven nations. But Yahweh showed himself so strong that he distinguished not only himself, he distinguished this people amongst all the peoples of the earth. He's still doing it to this very day. That's the only reason they've survived as a people. And I want to pause here and send our love out to Israel, who who is once again witnessing the faithfulness of God amidst... Yep. 
violent attacks against their nation and their citizens. But I want to say to Israel, prophetically, don't forget to set up memorial stones. This was not your military that gave you the victory in this war. Because there are other nations around them that are against them and don't want to see them survive. They don't want to see them share a land. They want to see them eradicated from the land. And they want to see them eradicated from all of the land of the earth. They don't want these people to exist. And yet, they cannot cause them to cease exist because Yahweh is working on their behalf. Right. I think it's important for us to say, for those of you, for those of us who have come through this year, through challenges, through difficulties. The reason why you've come through is because God brought you through. Praise in the First Testament has a unique nuance to it. Praise is not vertical. Praise is horizontal. When we praise the Lord, we are bragging on His excellency. And when we do that, when I, John, tell you, John, I came to the pulpit with nothing and God caused it to be something. When you tell me I felt insufficient and in my insufficiency I saw the strength of God, that's overheard. And our braggadociousness on God causes his name to be magnified to be spread. So I want to pause and and as we close lead our hearers because this is just you and I in a time of thanksgiving and praise. John God has been good to us this year. Amen. He's classic black church phrase. He's been better to us than we could be to ourselves. Mm. Um, We didn't have the largest churches. But God kept people coming through the doors. We didn't have the biggest reputations. But somehow the Spirit of God went out with what we couldn't advertise and drew His choice people in. God sent bread from his word every Sunday so that the people of God, the sheep of God, did not starve. In fact, they ate at very fine tables. God sustained our congregants, some of whom have illnesses who could have died or should have died or would have died, but for the hand of God upholding them. They walk out of this year into a new one. I can't speak intelligently about how far they'll go into the future. But what I can say is, God has sustained them now. I can say this, that God has kept his people amidst their struggles faithful to him. He's encouraged them. God sent us to Israel at the right time. If we had went months later, we would have been in trouble. The plane didn't crash. We weren't attacked. God gave us wonderful acquaintances. He gave us relationships that we have to this very day. 
God has caused us as brothers, as friends, to, to be at a table in a Starbucks. That's where it started. Yep. And now these, these broadcasts have gone to various people, some of whom are famous and we could name, but we won't do it. Right. Some individuals who we've never met eyeball to eyeball. Some individuals in foreign countries. God has even abroad and locally blessed and encouraged those who have been feeble in their faith. I want to stop and set up a memorial stone. And here's that memorial stone. So that the people listening to this broadcast, whether believer or unbeliever, would learn to revere the Lord. God has been faithful. Amen. God has been good. And that gives me confidence for the new year that a new year will be met by a changeless God. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Living Truth with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. If you would like to hear this podcast again or previous episodes, you may do so at passionforhisword.com. That's passionforhisword.com. You may also like us on Facebook at Living Truth Radio Broadcast. That's Living Truth Radio Broadcast. Again, our prayer for you is that God would sanctify you in truth, for His Word is truth.